So we're in, in, in our first week of our new series called Options. Options. So when I was about four years of age, um, I remember um, going to Food Town. Remember, remember Food Town? Growing up? Come on, Food Town. And uh, my mom, I'll go shopping with my mom, and, she, and then I'll, and I saw chocolate and I wanted it. So I, so I pinched it, put it in my pocket. And during, and my, my mom had finished shopping and she was having a break in the middle of the town center. And I went and I hid behind this pillar and I ate the chocolate, got rid of the evidence. That was pretty good. Evidence gone. And I walked back to my mom and, and my mom said this to me, where'd you get that chocolate from? I'm like, what chocolate? She said, chocolate that's all over your mouth. You know, and I was saying, oh, you know, and, and right there in the middle of the shopping center, my feet began to defy gravity. And then my mom gave me this whooping and my feet were going in the air. It was just this motion, this flying in the air, just going back and forth right there in the middle of the town center, the good old days. Remember the good old days? You know, you'll go to the town center and you watch some mom lose it on the kid. Uh, but anyway, no, no, not at all, not at all. Yeah, there's good reasons we changed that law. But anyway, uh, I remember like uh, um, one time my mom went shopping. You know, I used to go shopping with my mom quite a lot. And, um, and so she left me in the town center, um, daycare center, um, Toy World. So she left, left me, me in Toy World, and she goes off and does shopping. This is in Mangere, okay, South Auckland, South Auckland style daycare. Just stay in Toy World, we'll go sort this. And so I'm in Toy World, and I see these, um, these toy guns, and I'm like, you know what, it'd be, it'd be cool if I had a toy gun, I could play for, and I, and I was quite considerate, I was thinking about my sisters, oh, I should get a toy gun for my, for my uh, sisters as well, I'm very nice, I'm very generous, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to pinch it, so I take it, generous thief that I am, and I, and I take out these guns, and then I had, I had no pockets, I had no shoes, just a t-shirt, so I decided to balance these guns in the inside of my pants, just balance these three toy guns, and I walk out of the toy store like this. Just trying to balance it. And I walked to my mom, and she's sitting in the middle of the town. She goes, oh, Ansel, you need to go to the toilet. No, no, I'm like, no, you look like you need to go to the toilet. No, I'm good. So she grabs my hand, she, and she starts making me walk really fast, and these guns fall down my pants, right? Onto the, onto the, three of them. Okay, you know, you know, I was loaded. But anyway, let's carry on. Let's move right along. And my mom, she gives me a whooping right in the middle of this town center. And to make things worse, she makes me take these guns back to the shopkeeper, you know, now I'm really embarrassed, you know, and um, yeah, honest, honestly, you know, I, I've got a bit of, we all have a checkered past, right, you know, I just want to say that, even when I was going to, going to church growing up, you know, I would take money out of the offer, offering plate as it came past, I know, I'm such a sinner I am, right, I'm such a sinner, you know, God set me free, I'm being reformed and no longer do that, so the offering plate will come past and I would like pretend I'll put money in, but what I'll do is I'll take the 50 cents. Big, back then, 50 cents were a lot bigger. They didn't have dollar coins back then, dollar notes. So I'll take the 50 cents out because, you know, I was considerate. I just, just took enough. And then after, <laughs> then after church, I will go down to the shop and buy me, uh, and buy me an ice cream. That's when ice creams cost 50 cents. Uh, okay, then that's how I rolled. Well, anyway, this last time, honestly, you know, I've changed and reformed. This last time, I'm now in intermediate. Okay, I'm about 11 or 12, and my little brother's with me, and he's about eight or nine, and, and, I, and I'm in, in Farmers, and I see these toy ninja stars with little suction caps around, go, that goes right around, you can throw it, and it sticks to glass, and I said, man, I'm going to have that, and I pinched it, I pinched it, put it in my pocket, and then we went to Food Town, and my brother saw a comic book, and he decides to pinch it as well, and he, and he takes the comic book, and he puts it underneath his shirt, and he pinches it as well, that's a very Kiwi term, to pinch it, and um, 
And then we go home, and I'm like, now I'm playing with my, my toy ninja stars, throwing them at, at, the, at the window, right? I went to the window. My little brother runs up to me and goes, Ants, 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 could, could I play with your toy ninja stars? And like every good brother, I said, no, get lost. And um, he runs to my mom and he goes, Mom, 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 Ants, Ants stole those ninja stars. And I'm like, and my mom calls me over and she starts giving me a whooping. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. And I'm like, I'm like, Mom, Mom, um, um, my little brother David, I'm saying his name, David, that's right. I've outed you. On, on podcast, okay, my younger brother David, he, he, goes, he goes, he stole the comic book as well, and my mom gave him a whooping as well, I felt so much better that both of us got a whooping that day, come on, i like to just say something, that was also the last moment in my life that I stole something, my mom, she, she whipped it out of me, and, and I've got to say something, the Bible talks about spare the rod, spoil the child, and, and, and I do think that's really important, because my butt was telling me, answer, you need to reform. You need to reform, okay? Um, especially when you have a, a Pacific Island mum who likes to discipline you. <laughs> we are free to choose. We're free to choose, but not free from the consequences of our choices. We're free to choose, right? We are. We can choose whatever we like. But however, we're not free of the consequences of our choices. We have so many options before us. But the choices we make don't just affect us, but other people around us. We have become so self-absorbed, we have, as a society. We have become so self-absorbed because of our smartphones, our iPhones, our Androids, our Samsungs, whatever you have. We've become so absorbed in it, all, all because of our busy to-do list. Aren't we, aren't we so busy these days? All our busy to-do list, that our attention is being robbed. And that we don't see someone on the street in need or a friend who's crying out for help. Because it's all about me, right? A separate individual. It's about what's best for me. And I'm not thinking about anybody else. I'm just thinking about me. Me, 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 me. You know, the famous wedding song, all about me. And I'm just thinking about me. And I'm not even thinking about how my options affect those around me. Now, the reason we have this and the reason we like this is because, because of, the, of the society that we live in. Our society stresses that we are separate individuals, disconnected from one another, that we're separate from everybody else. We're not connected to one another. And that's why when pa parents separate or there's an affair, and then, then it's all about you. It's not about anybody else. It doesn't matter what, uh, what the choices I make because it's all about me. And we kind of disconnect. We disconnect from those around us and, and how our options and how that affects everybody around us. And today we have this, this um, right to choose movement about people who want to who terminate their children. And I understand, I know, I, and don't get me wrong, I know what it's like when people go through, those, through, the, through the motion. And sometimes they don't get the right support because it's all about you. You're separate from everybody else. You don't need to worry about anybody else. It's all about you. You're separate individual, never knowing that your options, your choices affect those who love you all around you. Well, even now we've got this, this euthanasia bill pushing forward, right? Because it's all about the individual. Our society stresses that you are a separate individual. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And we fail to see the devastation that we leave behind of those we love who are standing around us. You know, it's easy to be self-absorbed. 
It is, and we do, and we see it all the time. You go to the, go to the park, right? Come on, let's go, let's go spend some time with our children at the park. But we get, we get so absorbed with our phones and our kids are playing around, and we're not spending any time with our children. We're so self-absorbed in our phones and what's going on in our world, what's connected to me, and our kids are trying to get our attention. And we're like, yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, keep, keep, keep doing that, little Jimmy. Keep doing that, little Jimmy. You just, you'll be fine. And, and, and we're on our devices, right? Or, or maybe... Maybe we're one of those parents telling, we're lecturing our children. You need to stay off your device while we're on our phones. You need to, you're on your devices too much. Swipe. I'm going to swipe because I'm holding the device in this hand. (laughs) But it's so easy for us to be self-absorbed, right? But even in the Bible, we find people who are self-absorbed with with what's going on and, and, and not aware of the consequences of their choices. There's a man called Moses, and and Moses... He was on the run from God. He was, in fact, he was on the run from his calling because he thought he wasn't good enough. And God speaks to him and he uses a burning bush. And he says to Moses, Moses, go back to Egypt where my people are in slavery. And he goes back and God uses Moses to set his people free. So they leave Egypt. The children of Israel leave Egypt and they're now free and they cross through the Red Sea. They come to Mount Sinai. God gives the Ten Commandments. Now, God says to Moses and the people, he says to them, look, I'm giving you a promised land, a land I promised to your father, Abraham, and it's yours for the taking. So they get to the edge of the promised land. Moses sends in 12 spies. 10 spies come back with a bad report saying, we can't do it. We're like little grasshoppers in the eyes. There's no way we can defeat these guys. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, come on, God has given us this land. We can take this land. God is for us. Who can be against us? But everybody listened to the bad report. And because of that, God judged that generation. And he said, this generation, you're going to wander through the desert for 40 years until none of this generation will be alive to enter the new promised land that I'm giving you. Only Joshua and Caleb will enter this land. So 40 years later, here we are. Joshua is leading the people into the promised land. Moses is dead. And now the first city they come against is the city of Jericho. These giant walls, these impenetrable walls. And, and, and so, so God said, I'm giving you the city. And they're like, well, how are we going to bring down these walls? God says, look, this is what I want you to do. March around these walls. And on the seventh day, march around seven times, sound the trumpets, have a big shout, and I will bring the walls down. And God did exactly that. And God said, I'm giving you the city. Take this city. But there's a condition. There's a condition. See, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, they are being dedicated to me. They are, devo- they are devoted items. Devoted to me. You can take whatever you like, but do not take these devoted items. And so they do that. However, there's an issue. There's an issue. And so we're going to pick up in the story in Joshua chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to turn with me to Joshua chapter 7. Verse 1, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Did you hear that? The Israelites were unfaithful in regards to the devoted things. Remember the devoted things? The gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron. Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Achan disobeyed God. Verse 2, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, or Ai, 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 uh-oh, anyway, <clears throat> which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, go up, 
spy out the region. So the men, they went up and they, they spied I. They went out and spied, spied out I. And while they're spying, and so they go out there and they're spying out the land of I. Okay. And they go, well, you know what, this, this city, this city is, is it's a lot smaller than Jericho. We can easily take this city. We don't need to, need to bring a whole army. We just probably need two or 3,000 men. That's all we need. So they go back and they tell Joshua. So verse 4, so about 3,000 men went up and they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people mounted in fear and became like water. See, they went into battle in their own strength. They didn't need God. We don't need God. We got this. We did it before. They went... They went based on what happened before. Oh, if it happened before, it can happen again. They go there in their own strength, and what happens? 36 of the men die. We do that sometimes in church, don't we? we? We look to yesteryear of what we used to do in church, and we try to recreate it. But sometimes God isn't moving how we think God is moving. And God doesn't always move the same. Have you ever noticed that the less you need God, the less you see God? Have you ever noticed that? The less you need God, the less you see God. I don't know if you need God today. I don't know if you need God, because if, if you need God, you'll begin to see God. How much do you need God today? Because the less you need God, the less you see God. And it's really interesting, I find, is that, that quite often we want to prosper. We want to prosper in, in such a way where we don't need God. And the reason, reason we want to prosper like that, and even though we don't say it, but sometimes we, we want, you know, actually let's prosper so we don't need God. Because God's timing is unpredictable. It really is. We want God to move now, but God doesn't move on our timetable. God moves in His time. And we don't like that. We want it now. You know, and we're like, you know what, if I get breakthrough in my finances, then I can go in my own strength. I can go in my own abilities, in my own giftings. But your gifting can only carry you so long. You know, it's good to honor your giftings, but you better make sure you know what your calling is because there is a difference between giftings and calling. And if you don't know the difference between giftings and, call, and calling, then you'll go to the highest bidder for your gift and prostitute your calling to anyone who honors your gift. Because gifting is cultivated in practice. In practice, I'm not gifted in singing. It doesn't matter how much I practice, I'm not gifted in it. And there's some people, you know, they, they turn up and they want to be part of the worship team. What, you know, that's okay, that's all good. If you're gifted in it, some people go, you know what, my mom, my mom told me I could sing. Your mom lied. Your mom lied. <laughs> no matter how much you practice, it's not your gifting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe she's told me that because I, told, I stole the chocolates. <laughs> but giftings is practice. We all have a gift. And giftings is, is, this, is cultivated in practice. But calling, your calling is cultivated in prayer and, and, and a total reliance in God. A total trust in God. Come on, we need to be a church who is totally 
totally in trust of God, who, who loves God, who's for God. We've got to be a church who is in prayer, who's in totally in prayer. God, let my heart break for what breaks yours. God, let me see people how you see people. God, help me, help me begin to, to, to use my abilities to begin to reach people for you, to lead people to you. Lord, use me. Lord, help me know my calling. Let us be people of prayer, people who totally trust in God. Lord, I need you more. You've you got to understand it's got nothing to do with being wealthy or not. I'm not saying you've got to be poor, then I need God. You can be poor and still not need God and still just rely on your own abilities. And you can be a millionaire and you still need God. You're still in the prayer room praying to God. To God, it's all about you. I'm only here because of you. It is only because of you. Because it's got nothing to do with wealth. It's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. Do you need God this morning, church? Do you need God? Because the less you need God, the less you see God. Verse 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes and he fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And every time I read that, I'm thinking, I'm thinking if that was me and I just bought myself a brand new t-shirt, I'll be like, I just want to take this t-shirt off first and I'm going to tear this old one. You know what I mean? And he tears off his shirt and he, he's, he's, he's like, oh my goodness. He tears off and he's down before the ark of the Lord. And he begins to complain. He begins to complain. Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us in the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content and stayed on the other side of the Jordan. Is that what we do? When things don't go our way, we complain. We blame others for our misfortune. We forget about what God has done for us and we have a pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party before? Woe is me. Lord God, I thought you were with me. I thought you thought you bring me the breakthrough and, and Lord, this is happening to me and, and we're having a pity party. God, God, where were you? I thought my marriage is gonna be this, but it's not. And we focus on the wrong things. The less we need God, the less we see God. Are you making decisions by stepping out in God or are you just complaining about your lot in life? Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Come on, Joshua, get up. This is embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. I've chosen you. Come on, get up. Stop complaining. Get your butt out of my face and get up. And then he begins to tell Joshua exactly what the issue is. Verse 11, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. Anybody do any of these things? That chocolate was good. Verse 15, whoever is caught with the devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire, along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So all the tribes passed before God. And then God says, it's the tribe of Judah. Then all the, and then all the, all the sub-tribes passed through and they said, it's the tribe of Zimri. And then the, then the family until Achan. Achan is identified as the perpetrator. You know, you, know, you know how much, no matter how much you try to hide your secret sin, your secret sin is something you don't want anybody to know. But your secret sin always comes out in the wash. Unless you deal with it now, it will come out. Verse 20, Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. 
That is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I covered to them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sends his men, they find it, they bring it all back. Go down to verse 24, then Joshua together with all Israel took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, the sons and daughters, his sons and his daughters, his cattle, his, don- his donkeys and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Acre. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they stoned the rest, meaning his children, his family members, his cattle, they burned them. Anybody like, wow, that's a hard read. It wasn't just Achan that suffered the consequences, but his children, his family, all he possessed, they were stoned and burned. Let me tell you, this is a hard read. This is not a, this, these are one of those verses that you try to pass over. This is kind of a hard verse, and let's just go to somewhere nice. And I'll, let me just share about some nice things in the Bible. You know, cast all your anxieties to God because He cares for you. You know, let's just preach about that. But this is a church that doesn't just pass by the hard verses. This isn't a church that just focuses on the easy verses. We preach from the Word of God, what the Word of God tells us. And the reason why this bothers us, the reason why when I first read this bothered me, it's like, why did his family have to pay as well? Why did they have to die, right? Why, did, why was it because of, of one man's sin, everybody died? That's not fair. That's not fair. You know why that bothers us? That bothers us because out the society we live in today stresses that we are individuals, separate individuals, disconnected from one another. It's all about me. And it doesn't matter what I do because it's all about me. Our society stresses that we are separate individuals. And that's why it bothers us. And we fail to see the connection to our communities. Fail to see our connection that, we're, that we belong to one another, that we're connected to one another. Because we have this individualistic view of humanity. And we can have this individualistic view about church, don't we? I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. Pastor, pastor, the church should be doing this. The church should be doing this. They should be doing that. And they'll be, and they'll be saying, you know what? I just find the church is like this. The church is, and they're like coming to me, like, because like, like, I understand I'm, I'm the senior pastor here, but it's like, you're the only one who can, can make, the, make the change. And they're coming as if they've disconnected themselves away from the church. That we are no longer, we're not connected. I'm part of the church, but I'm disconnected. But my Bible tells me that we belong together, that we're connected. Yeah. We belong together, we're connected. That I am part of the church. That I'm gonna, that you know what, the church, you know what, I'm not gonna say the church should be doing this, I'm gonna be making a difference. God's laid this on my heart, then I'm gonna do this. You know, there's some issues going on, but I'm gonna lead the way and, and, and show a different attitude. I'm gonna take responsibility because I'm connected. We belong to one another. We're connected. We belong to one another. We're not separate individuals. I'm not going to let society dictate who I am. 
That's not who I am. That's not who God called me to be. That's why we, that's why we, find, it, we find an excuse to be mean to, to people. That's just who I am. I'm disconnected from you, so I'm just going to be mean to you. I can say whatever I want. That's just the way I am. That's not the way God made you. He didn't make you like that. It doesn't give you an excuse to be mean. We're, we're connected. We belong to one another. See, this is the application. We need to consider the consequences. Are they good or bad? Consider the consequences. Because our cor- correct view on life is that we're connected. Fuck it for knowing the tongue. We're connected. We belong to one another. We need to develop something that God has given each one of us, but we quite often don't use it enough. And it's simply this, empathy. Empathy. That I'm going to see things from your point of view. Because quite often, when we have this individualistic view that I'm separate, I'm disconnected, that I'm only going to see from my point of view. And I'm not going to look from your point of view, so therefore I don't really care what you think, because I'm going to tell you what I think. But when we use this gift that God calls empathy, we're able to see from their point of view, and we realize we're, we're connected together, we begin to love more, we begin to honor more, we begin to share more, we begin to understand each other more. And you know what? There'll be less poverty, there'll be less anger, there'll be less family violence. I'm telling you, our world will change when we begin to take hold of the Word of God, when we realize that we're connected, that we belong to one another. We belong to one another. We're not disconnected. We're family. We're family. That's who we are. See, the Bible doesn't have an individual view of humanity, but a corporate view. But the Bible doesn't see people as separate individuals. That's why in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, let's just go right back to the beginning. Look at this. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. It doesn't say, but Achan were unfaithful, was unfaithful. Because God doesn't see us as separate. He sees us as family, that we're connected. That your decision affects those around you. We need to understand that every decision we make, every consequences we make, affects the people we love. We're not separate individuals, but we're connected. We belong to one another. Consider the consequences. Are they good or are they bad? And we see this with Adam, the first man. When Adam sinned, it didn't just affect him but it affected all of us. It affected mankind. God had an option when when Adam died, when Adam sinned. God had an option. Do you know what He chose? Do you know what God chose? God chose to step into His creation. God chose to step into His humanity in the fullness of Jesus Christ. And God chose to take the punishment, to pay the penalty for the consequences of our sins. And He died on a cross in our place. And the consequences of what Jesus did. The consequences of what Jesus did. It brought humanity back into a right relationship with God. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Come on, He deserves all the praise. Come on, Lord, You did it. You did it. 1 Corinthians 15. 21, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. See, the story of the Old Testament and the Bible as a whole isn't just a story of individuals 
but of people connected. We are free to choose, but not free for the consequences of our choices. See, I cannot make my decision absent of the effects of those around me because we're connected. See, the next time you feel compelled to take some particular action, stop and ask yourself what the consequences will be because that brief moment of consideration will make the world a difference for the kind of future you want, you want for yourself and those around you. See, if I saw myself as a separate individual, if I saw myself disconnected from everybody, it doesn't matter what you think if I steal chocolate or steal toy guns. It doesn't matter what you think. Because then it's all about me and I'll take the consequences for me. I'll take that alone. But that's simply not true. I don't just suffer the consequences alone, but everybody around me suffers as well. Can you imagine what my mom thought when she kept giving me a lot of whooping growing up? My mom, she's a solo mom, doing her best. Can you imagine what she's thinking as a solo mom? Where English is her second language. She's on the boat from the Cook Islands. And she's thinking about her son. Can you imagine what she's thinking? What, what kind of mom am I? I didn't teach him to do that. Maybe I'm not good enough to be a mom. Maybe, maybe I haven't got what it takes. I didn't consider what she thought. I didn't have any empathy for my mom. I just thought about myself. I didn't think about the storekeeper taking from the store and for the store to lose revenue. You know, potentially that means that they, they can't afford to pay somebody. That means that somebody can't, can't afford to pay somebody to feed their family. I don't think about the consequences. I don't think about, I had no empathy for them. I just thought about myself. And I don't think about my little brother. The consequences that, he, that directly influenced him. But we are not separate individuals. But we're connected. We belong to one another. We belong to one another. We are family. God didn't create you to be individuals, separated from one another, disconnected. He's created us to be family. I cannot make my decisions absent of the effects of those around me. We are connected. You cannot change your past, but you have the power to choose the very best for your future. Consider the consequences. Are they good or bad?